1280 The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network, 651-289-4488. you have questions or comments for Walter Hudson, who is running for a Minnesota House District 30A, replacing Eric Lucero, who, God willing, with a tailwind and uh, getting through the nominations, the endorsements, of course, uh, will hopefully be replacing uh, Mary Kiffmeyer. Uh, let's go to the phones. St. Paul, uh, Robert, you are on the air with Walter Hudson. Hi. Uh, my question for Walter is, no, I've, I've always really enjoyed hearing you on the radio. My question for you is, what really motivates a person to pursue political office? I, I mean, I assume you've got good motives, and I, I just, it seems like such a dirty industry. What would be your answer? Why do you want to get involved with politics? Good question. Yeah, it, it's an essential question. Um, why would anybody want to subject themselves <laughs> to this? And I, I think it's rational to be suspicious of the motives of anybody who p- throws their hat in the ring for consideration for a public office. I'm frustrated with the process. Um, right. I'm, I'm frustrated with the what I see as opportunities lost um, to take moral ground in the debate with the left. Yeah. Um, I think Republicans, you know, with all due respect to my potential future colleagues, I think we pull our punches. I think we're too deferential. I think we are too concerned with being respected uh, amongst the mainstream media and not getting bashed over the head in the editorial page of the Star Tribune. <laughs> I think we need to throw all that out the window. I think we need to take a, 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 a Del May Care approach to whether or not we're liked yeah. by um, anyone outside of um, who, who's on the opposite side of our movement. And we need to fight hard and throw elbows um, and call things as we see them and call them out for the evil that they are and they advocate for righteousness and define it as righteousness. We are on the side of good and justice and, and uh, what is true and right and factual. And yeah. we shouldn't be shy about that. And that's there, what's motivating me. There's that. nothing immoral about throwing an elbow as long as you're throwing it on behalf of the truth. I mean, you don't, right. you, you can, you can get in there and mix it up. Without being Javi Maria. So tell us a little bit about, uh, by the way, I don't care much for Javi Maria. Uh, I don't know if you've had to deal with him. Anyway, it's, it's it, it, point being, let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, let's say all goes well. You get the endorsement, you get right. the election. Tell a little bit about what the voters of Wright County can expect from their representative if you are, in fact, he. Well, I think my top level concern uh, is pushing back against tyranny. I had a friend just yesterday, in fact, point out, and I can't believe this is true, but you can verify it right now as we speak. The Merriam-Webster dictionary definition of the word dictator is a person granted absolute power during an emergency. The Roman definition, yes. That is the top level 1A (laughs) definition in the dictionary right now for a dictator. And so it can be truthfully said beyond contest, beyond argument, that we lived under a dictator here in the state of Minnesota yep. during 2020 while uh, Governor Walls maintained his emergency powers. And it's you have to note that even though he relinquished he he relinquished the emergency itself, yeah. he still retains the capacity to call it again at any moment, at any time. He could just decide he's going to put that crown right back on his head. Yep. And be the and make my job that I'm trying to get state representative completely meaningless. Yeah. The legislature was made wholly impotent for that entire period of time, which through extension means you were. That's right. One man said he gets to decide the most intimate details of, of 6 million people's lives in the state of Minnesota without any input 
from those people or their representatives whatsoever. That can never happen again. Absolutely. And I remember 2015 when the, the Second Amendment crowd pushed through a restriction on the governor against the governor, allowing the governor, specifically disallowing the governor to confiscate firearms and shut down gun stores and, and the like under the color of a state of emergency. And people called us paranoid. Well, I guess we showed them, didn't we? Right. That was one one area. One of very few areas that the governor and his administration couldn't shut down by fiat here. And so uh, presumably one of your goals and, and a goal I've been hearing from every Republican up and down the ticket from the governor candidates on the way down to the legislature is to do something about emergency powers. What do we do with emergency powers, Walter Hudson? Well, we, we get rid of them, basically. Uh, but, and you hear a lot of pushback from folks saying, well, you know, the governor needs to retain the power to appropriate funds during a tornado or a flood or this, that, or the other thing. I think there are ways that we can accommodate that that do not entail the executive uh, assuming absolute power in the state, yep. being able to decide whether or not a business can be open or a child can go to school. That It is never appropriate. You mean to tell me that a tornado comes through town? And I need the governor to tell me whether or not I should send my kid to school. I need the governor to decide whether or not my business should open. There's plenty of rules at the local level about sending kids to a demolished school. Right. I think we can trust the locals well, on that. I think we can trust parents and business owners and the people to decide whether or not they're assuming more risk than is worth their time. Right. Yep. Um, and that and that is what was taken away from the people. It was the ability to weigh risk against their own values. Yep. It filtered through their own judgment. It's inappropriate to do that, and we can't allow that to ever happen again. Kill it with fire. Yes. Uh, Wright County certainly has to be looking at the happenings of this last two years and thinking law and order is is job, if not number one, certainly number two, right up there. Uh, what's what's What are you hearing in Wright County? So when we talk about the governor assuming unilateral control over six million people in the state, that is active tyranny, right? That's right. the boot on your throat. Yeah. What I'm just as concerned about is passive tyranny. And, and this is when the government that is tasked with upholding the law and upholding your rights and maintaining order decides it's not gonna today. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Decides, well, we're just gonna let the city burn. Yeah. Um, we're just gonna let thugs run around in the street and tear things up. We're going to allow people to be carjacked and we're, we're not going to provide any sort of response to that. We're going to allow well-connected thugs to actively attack your your free speech yes. as happened in March of 17 against the Republican rally in the state rotunda where where we're anti quote anti quote anti end quote fa. Yeah, I mean it's like if you are a conservative in the city you have to have your, your eye looking out of your shoulder because you know there's going to be some goon out there thinking about right. shutting you down. It's happened. Well, and what we have developing in, in Minnesota is a, a two-tier system of justice, yeah. and it's largely defined by metro and rural. Yeah. And it's a, it's a concern. Look, as somebody who believes in the decentralization of power, separation, and division of, of the branches and what have you, yeah. it, I'm conflicted about the concept of preemption, right? Yeah. The state coming in and telling municipalities how they ought to run their business. Yep. But when you have a city like Minneapolis or a city like St. Paul that's actively deciding they're just not going to do anything about crime. Yeah. Um, they're going to let felons back out on the street. They're going to suspend bail. They're going to, you got attorneys general and county attorneys who are just not going to prosecute felony crime. Yeah. That is not a localized problem. Yeah. That is not a local issue because that criminal, that felon, that fiend, 
can cross the county line pretty easily, <laughs> right? They're not confined to Minneapolis or St. Paul. Yeah. And, it, and it's going to become a problem, and it already is, in the inner ring suburbs and sooner or later out in my neck of the woods. Now, we're a little bit more prepared for it out in Wright County. I have no idea um, what you're talking about. Yes. Uh, but to that point, yes. I think what needs to happen um, is not just support for law enforcement, which has been long eroded. And by the way, is going to have a generational impact because right now you don't even have officers in training. Nobody yeah. wants the job. No. Who would? Yeah, you're, right. you're, you're volunteering for maximum risk and zero reward. Yeah. That's, that's our current situation with law enforcement. So that needs to change. But in addition to that, in the absence of the state doing its job, that job falls back to the people. And that means that they must be free to do it. We need stand your ground. We need castle doctrine. Yep. We need constitutional carry. We need the not just the preservation of Second Amendment rights, the right to keep and bear arms, but the assurance a father defending his family yes. needs to have absolute confidence that he will not be prosecuted for doing so. As it currently stands, you are at greater legal risk defending your family in the street yep. than you are mugging a family in the street. Yeah. And that is unacceptable. It absolutely is. And there's angles to that that we need to discuss. By the way, education, uh, critical race theory, or whatever version of it that has been passed down to, to schools uh, is, is another hot topic. It's a hot topic in the city proper. I imagine it's got to be a, a major issue out in Wright County. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the first things I hear about when I talk to delegates um, and we talk to any conservative. And it's not just conservatives. I, yeah. I think we need to not abandon that label, but we, we need to come up with new labels. We need to come up with new labels because that's one of the things the other side picks at is that, right. well, they're not. I mean, yeah, so that's something they teach in law school and graduate sociology problems. Yeah. Uh, programs. Well, that's all true. But you take its byproducts and, it, and its assumptions and you push that down to college, to high school, to to elementary school kids and that's you're, you're getting the output from that thought process getting getting pushed down to your children in the public school system you absolutely are well i think when you grant when you take crt and you turn it into a conservative liberal left right issue yeah you're giving that whole concept way too much credit it does yeah. not deserve to to be uh turned into a partisan division like that because True. what crt is at its essence what it is is it is a religious belief system yeah. it is a mystical worldview it is ethnic gnosticism it is the idea that the color of my skin gives me knowledge that and you will hear them talk about that when they talk about you checking your privilege yes or um the the black experience or your lived experience what they are referring to there is the notion that being black endows you with knowledge that a non-black person simply cannot have. And that having white skin endows you with some sort of vice, some evil that right. you can never expiate, no matter what you do. But we're talking with Walter Hudson, uh, candidate for District 30... 38. Hey, God, I was going to guess B. Good thing I asked. 30A. Uh, running for uh, currently Eric Lucero's seat. Eric Lucero is uh, running for Senate. Uh, if you have questions, you want to comment, you have questions or concerns or feedback for Walter Hudson, give us a call. 651-289-4488. Let's, uh, let's talk about the proverbial uh, a metaphorical elephant in the room here, the, uh, the Minnesota State Republican Party. It's been through its... Uh, contortions, it's fair to say, over this past year. Those contortions continue uh, over this past week with the passing of Jim Hagedorn. That, of course, is not your concern necessarily running in Wright County. 
Uh, but yet there is a little issue of how the Republican Party breaks a losing streak that makes the early Tampa Bay Buccaneers look like a juggernaut. I mean, right. it's 16 years since we've won a statewide election. Um, and and sometimes looking for evidence that the party's learned anything from that lesson, Walter Hudson. I mean, you, you your own race aside, mm-hmm. let's talk about the statewide Republican Party. I mean, any grounds for optimism or pessimism that you're seeing in the way the, the, the party is conducting affairs in this uh, this cycle? Well, I don't think we have time at this juncture to to waste in recrimination and looking back and blaming right. people for how we got to the position we're in. Right. When you look at where we're at and how we move forward, I see tons of opportunity to improve the overall movement yeah. of which I think the party is only one piece. Yeah. Because again, there are multiple different spheres of influence in the culture um, and politics and government and political parties are, are only one part of that overall process. I think what the party needs to do and by the part, let's be specific about what I mean by the party. Yeah. Because I think when we talk about the party, we're usually talking about somebody else, right? We're usually talking about yeah. whoever the chair is or perhaps the executive committee, yeah. the people at the top. What I mean by the party is me. Yes. And you, yeah. the people who come out to caucus, the people who go to the BPOU meetings, um, the folks who, who are knocking on doors and marching in parades, we need to reform our engagement with the culture around us. Yeah. Um, I think this is as true um, in Republican politics in the state of Minnesota as it is with, for instance, the church globally. Yeah. There, there needs to be a reformation of, of how we're engaging and we need to be, to be speaking Two people with a sense of primarily moral conviction, not pulling our punches, talking about what's right, talking about what's wrong, condemning evil, calling people out by name for committing it when we see it. Um, and, And in that sense, calling people, especially young people, to a battle. This is something that young men crave. Yeah. Not just young men, but especially young men. Yeah. Battle. And there are many battles that need to be fought, many dragons that need to be slayed. Yeah. Um, and if, if we put out a message and a call to action that is attractive in that it engages people in a fight that actually means something, we'll be able to grow the party, we'll be able to grow the movement, we'll be able to win elections, and we'll be able to change the culture. I am so glad you brought that up because I was a young <laughs> – I was, I was in college. Uh, I, actually, I was, I was in high school when Ronald Reagan first ran for president. I was, two, I was three weeks too young to vote, and I wouldn't have voted for Ronald Reagan. I identified probably as a Democrat, but I was having some second thoughts. But it was the thought – that Ronald Reagan brought to the White House and that he brought to the Republican Party along with the likes of Jack Kemp and uh, and John McCain in his early years the thought that you that 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 I at this time of my life would be on the side of those plucky Polish protesters who were who were who were plugging away at the Russian bear this time 42 years ago and and the the fact that the, the idea that we were in this battle for the for the future of western civilization which i was just starting to realize the value of at that point in my life and as a young fellow who had written a platform for north dakota boys state when he was 17 that would have made paul wellstone blanch that was a big change indeed and that's a fascinating observation yes young men do like the fight they like they like the feeling that, that they are part of something that may not have to land on omaha beach but is still fighting a major battle for the benefit of their generation and their progeny absolutely right well and it's also it it has 
the effect of not only inspiring people to fight today, but it also calls out the hypocrisy of the left. Yes. Because what the left is constantly doing is appealing to historical morality plays yeah. in order to virtue signal. So they'll talk about chattel slavery from hundreds of years ago. They'll talk about Jim Crow, which is not currently a problem at all. Yes. Um, they will, they will talk about all of these issues. They'll talk about the Holocaust. They'll bring up yeah. Nazis. They'll call you one. Oh yeah. Um, they, they take extraordinarily safe moral positions on settled controversies that have no impact or effect upon our current life yes. and then ignore the actual moral atrocities that they are participating in and advocating for here and now. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the battle that I've been begging statewide Republican candidates for 18 years now to engage in. I mean, the one I personally am most closely engaged in as a resident of St. Paul, as someone who pulled his kids out of the public schools and put them into the charter system, where uh, the charter schools in both cities are more uh, minority, more immigrant, more English as a second language than the district schools themselves. Right. And that's a, a result of thousands of minority immigrant English as a second language parents seeing the, the the garbage sandwich that the school system has given their children and looking for that lifeboat, which the DFL has tried to torpedo repeatedly yes. over the decades here. And why we haven't had every single statewide candidate in the city. Yes. Putting on a, a public school, a charter school parents forum to let these parents know who, well, who's what and who's on their side yeah. is just shames me. Absolutely. And, and let me say, so the district that I'm aiming to represent yeah. uh, is one that is, frankly, not to be too confident or cocky, um, it's a layup for Republicans. Of course. We're, we're going to win it, yeah. um, regardless of who the endorsed candidate is. Hopefully, right. hopefully I would like to be that endorsed candidate. Okay. Um, but in the event that I am, I'm not going to just sit back on my laurels and coast to the general election and right. be content with being a state representative. Yay me. I get to wear my crown, right? <laughs> yeah. Like that, that's not what I'm interested in. Right. I'm interested in forwarding the movement. I'm interested in doing so statewide. Yeah. And given my proximity to the metro, I want to do exactly what you're talking about. Excellent. I, I want to go into those neighborhoods. I want to get to know the people who are already there. I want to engage with the, the BPOUs that are within the sound of our voices now that are that are down there in your neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, and f get to know who they know and start having some real meaningful conversations about how we change things in Minnesota. And this is the time for that. Con I mean, it's always time for that conversation. But right now, especially when. And you will get this joke, Walter, having been an observer of, of the Twin Cities political scene. But when Don Samuels sounds like Barry Goldwater compared to the rest of Minneapolis politics, you know the time is ripe for some kind of change yes. if someone has got the guts to bring it right. into the city. What I've been telling who may become my future colleagues, I spent two days this week down at the Capitol as part of uh, the Wright County Republican Legislative Action Committee. Right. And that's a group of grassroots folks who go down to the Capitol every year to to offer our list of legislative priorities and to talk about the bills that we support or oppose. And the, the top level thing that I've been talking to them about uh, is precisely this. It's it's the fact that you need to provide voters with a value proposition because yeah. what we've already all heard. Cycle after cycle, as long as I've been involved, as long as you've been involved, the, what we always hear is, well, that's great. We'd love to do it, but we don't have the majority in the House right. or the Senate, or we don't have the governor's office, or we, we need to win statewide. That's why you need to come out and vote for us. That's why this election is so important. Yeah. And none of those, those statements are all true. Yeah. 
but they're not compelling reasons to come out and vote. Why? Because we've seen what happens when Republicans have all three legs of the stool on the federal level. Yeah. Nothing under George W. Bush. Nothing under the first two years of Trump. Yep. Congress not being willing willing to deliver on what they had promised. And yep. fairly or unfairly, that suspicion coming out of that exper experience is applied to the state legislature. So uh, tell us a little bit about what kind of help you need from the people of Wright County as you head towards, well, certainly the nomination. You're going to be running uh, for the endorsement here in coming weeks. I think your convention's got to be coming up pretty quick here. It is. Um, we're going to have a convention on March 19th. Uh, the delegates should be getting that call relatively soon, as I understand it. And obviously that's where my focus is right now because I want to secure that endorsement. The endorsement's very important to me. It's do or die. If I don't get it, then I'm done. Yeah. Um, I think that's – as somebody who's been a, an activist um, in the party for over 10 years, it's always been important to me to have that from candidates that I've yeah. supported. Um, and so I want to maintain that now that I am a candidate as well. Hudson for MN dot com. Hudson for F O R M N dot com. I will post that at shot in the dark dot info when you. I get a moment here. You're a Wright County Republican I, with the understanding that you're keeping this campaign above board and on issues and not going after the other candidate right. uh, who's, who's running, who, by the way, equal time is hereby offered. Uh, why should a Wright County Republican activist vote for you as opposed to your opponent? Sure. As I mentioned previous, I don't believe you would get much of a difference in terms of how either of us would vote down at the legislature. But of course, this job involves so much more than that. It's so much more than just how you vote on particular bills. Um, it's also how you engage with the caucus and with the public. Uh, and, and I have a vision that's broader than just District 30A. I have, I have a vision, as we talked about earlier in the program, of being an ambassador to the the Metro BPOUs um, and building a, a network of relationships in those communities so that we can. The practical political reason, of course, is to squeeze additional percentage points Bingo. out of that metro area in order to uh, to push us over the line when it comes to these statewide races. Yep. Um, but. It's it's more than that. It's it's the moral obligation to provide people with an alternative that works in their lives. Walter Hudson, uh, if you wind up running, you're getting the endorsements. Definitely talk about the race itself and uh, everything that falls off it. Thanks for coming out today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Uh, stay tuned for Jack Tomzak. God bless you all. God bless America. Oh, yeah.